Here at Visit with Spirit, we are not out to prove or disprove anything. We are not asking anyone to believe or not believe. We are asking that you, the listener, are compassionate to what our guests have experienced, whether or not you believe, that you respect their journey as we help them on their path of healing. Welcome to Visit with Spirit, and we're here to listen to stories from those who have had a paranormal experience, as well as to help them process, understand, and feel good about it. Hello, souls and spirits. Welcome to another episode of Visit with Spirit. I'm your host, Lisa. And I'm your host, JD. Today, we're going to talk about how you choose a psychic. JD, what are your thoughts on that? Well, we're going to not just talk about psychics, but also any intuitive practitioner. So Reiki, medium, any modality. But we're going to talk about the ethics, red flags that some of you may get when you're in the middle of a session and you're like, why am I sitting with this person? (laughs) Anybody who, chances are, if you're listening to this, you've probably had a session with someone. And there are great practitioners out there And there are some that are not so savory. (laughs) I know that for some of us, a lot of the psychics that we see are, we're on vacation, we're going down a boardwalk, and we see the cute little palm reading sign outside of a store. But I know a lot of people want to delve a little bit further and find a professional psychic, someone they can make an appointment with and sit down and bring a specific question to. What do you think some things are that listeners should look for when choosing a professional psychic? Well, first thing I look at, so when it's myself or somebody who is family or friends who are not necessarily wanting to go to me because they want to go to somebody else, try something different. The first thing I recommend is look at the reviews. Sometimes you will find reviews for practitioners on places like Yelp or Google, but do remember like any other review a lot of times you're not going to get the full story because the people who take the time to go on those reviews for anything, even on Amazon, are usually people who have not had the best experience. What I do is I look at their webpage. Is their webpage professional looking? Have they put time and effort into a professional presentation? Now, some practitioners don't like the internet really. So at most they might have a Facebook page. You can go to their Facebook pages and find reviews there. And you can also see what are they posting? What is the vibration that you're getting from them? Are you more attracted to their energy after looking at their socials and their webpage? Or are you kind of pushed back like "Mm, something's not feeling right? If you have that something's not feeling right, don't book with them. It's okay. Even if they have the best recommendation from like your best friend, if you're not feeling it, don't do it. Like that, that's where you have to trust yourself over 
the personal recommendation. The other thing is that are their prices clearly listed? If you go to my webpage, my prices are very clear. It is easy to find and it is consistent. When I see that they don't have prices listed, that tells me that oftentimes they're basing it off of what they think that you're able to pay. And to me, that that's a little shady. I don't like that. And maybe it's just the Taurus in me. I'm very practical. I want to know what I'm getting into ahead of time. And somebody who bases their prices off of what they think that person can pay, it's almost like if they think that that person has more money, I don't think that's how it should work. No, and you know, you're right with the watch the social media. There's a local store that has psychics in their shop. I watched that social media for about two months because I wanted to see how they promoted their readers, how they promoted their shop. And it wasn't about building a fan base or, or trying to lure people in from the internet. It was pretty much, here are our readers, here are their backgrounds, here are their prices. And because it was subtle and it wasn't salesy, I visited the shop and I still wandered around a little bit to see who was in there, get the vibe. And then I booked a session as I was there. They had an opening that afternoon. It was one of the best readings I had ever had. But there is some research involved in finding a psychic for yourself. You know, I compare it to like finding a hairdresser. Just because you have a bad experience with one, it doesn't mean you're going to have a bad experience with all. It is a relationship that you build. And I don't think we plan on talking about, but also knowing when to change. That's not really on, on the agenda, but as I'm sitting here talking, it's, it's sometimes you'll be with the same psychic or reader for a long, long time. And suddenly the energy just shifts and it's okay to change it up, to get a different perspective, to find somebody else. Over the years, I've had many clients who have just stayed with me and I love it and I love working with them. But then all of a sudden they, they choose to go somewhere else and that's okay. It just means the energy has moved and shifted. And almost immediately, somebody else will come in. So when that happens, we don't generally take it personally. There might be some who do. And that is a red flag. If you're working with somebody who takes you going somewhere else personally, I think that's a problem. That's an ego-based reader or practitioner and that can be toxic. It can create a toxic environment for you when you're just trying to get some healing and insight. So if somebody is getting a little too possessive, too clingy, might be time to back that up a little bit, go somewhere else. Have you had any experience or seen that? Because I, I have seen that. I haven't, but I do know that sometimes there's that feeling of competition where you're a reader and then all of a sudden you find out there's a reader who is showing up in the same hometown as you. And that's your first thought is, am I going to lose clients? Are they going to take my business? You know, as a, as a psychic myself who has gone to trainers for things like Reiki, you choose who you resonate with and you're going to get the messages that you need from the person you need to hear it from. And as psychics, we know that sometimes we're meant to deliver those messages. Sometimes it's going to resonate with you from somebody else. So we're not really the boss of spirits. They kind of just use us as a speaker. 
there really isn't anything on our end that we can control in regards to, you know, keeping clients because every psychic is different. Every psychic has, they're going to deliver messages differently. They're going to get different insight. They're going to pick up on different energy. I would want my clients to have a full experience. I wouldn't want them to just only hear things coming from me because I know I'm not getting everything. So it's not really a competition. It really is about building a community and working together. And, you know, a lot of psychics do that when they have psychic fairs and they bring in a whole group of readers because they understand that it's so important to have different energies bringing in different messages. Yes. You brought up a word that is so important and can be an enormous red flag is competition. When you said that some people feel threatened or they feel nervous about somebody else coming into the area, I have experienced that more times than I can say. In fact, pretty where near you live, I was going into this very well-known shop. I shall not name it. I should have been their prime client. As soon as they heard that I was a reader, it was like I got the cold shoulder. And I'll tell you, it left a very bad taste in my mouth. I won't recommend them to anybody anymore because the fact that here I am, I was looking to connect with them. I was looking to talk with them. There was definitely merchandise I would have bought. I ended up walking out because as soon as they heard that I did sessions and that I did private work, just completely shut down. It's like, whoa. And I've experienced that actually with other practitioners where if I want a session, I have to not say anything. And the fact that they don't pick up on that I am intuitive yes, also tells me the level of their ability. And it's sad it, when I'm just going in for some outside perspective. And I know some of you listeners might be thinking, well, why aren't you doing it for yourself? You absolutely can read for yourself. However, it is nice to have somebody from the outside who does not know you give you that validation and give you that insight that maybe you're too close to the situation to see. You know, we said this in the other podcast, we are just human. And like any other career, it would be like a doctor diagnosing themselves. That if they go in with certain biases, if they go in with certain perceptions or preconceptions, rather, that they might miss something vital because they're convinced it's this when an outside doctor is going to come in and be like, no, no. Did you see this? Did you see that? And it's that outside perspective that's important. So that competition, I've experienced that a few times over my career especially in the very beginning, I was with a group and I was doing a lot of learning and a lot of training with them. And very quickly, I was asked to become a trainer and to become a teacher. And my popularity was growing. And as it grew, and I was also getting approached by other locations to go work with them, their jealousy and not ego, but fear grew. And I ended up getting pushed out in a very nasty way. And while I will not talk bad about them, 
if somebody asks me about working with that group, I can't recommend them. And apparently I was not the only one they did this to. They did that to quite a few people who they had taught, who they had mentored. And then as soon as they became skilled, potentially more skilled than them, they were threatened. And that's something that I tell the people that I work with, that you should not be teaching or training people if you cannot handle the fact that there are going to be people coming up that are better than you. That's just part and parcel. And at some point when you're taking that time to train other practitioners, you're going to come across people who are highly gifted. And we should be as a community, and I love that word that you use, community, celebrating that and raising that up and connecting. Because there will always be people who gravitate to one over the other. There's more than enough. There's more than enough to go around. There's not a limit to clients. So if you come across a practitioner who gets jealous or starts immediately bad-mouthing another practitioner that you've gone to, question that. That's not somebody who is confident in themselves and their ability. That's somebody who is scared, who's jealous, and who may manipulate the reading to kind of put you in a state of fear so that you keep going to them. And that's what I call the fear hook. Any reader who uses the fear hook, don't ever go back to them again. So you actually reminded me of a time where a few years ago, so it actually, a lot of that resonated with this story that I'm going to share. As I was exploring my gifts, I found an empath support group. And I thought, wow, I can meet other empaths. This will be great. And I was sharing my story. I was interacting with the other members of the group. And the person in charge of the group just completely shut down. And I felt bad. I thought, you know, because as an empath, I picked up, I felt like I was stepping on their toes. And I said, I'm sorry, am I talking too much? And they were just like, no, it's fine. It's fine. And I had a few more interactions with this person and it was so cold. And for a lot of us who are exploring our gifts, again, going back, it's a community. You're trying to find other people to work with. But if you run into people that have some lower, you know, self-confidence in their skills, and they see you come in, I think the thing to remember is that no one is more psychic than anybody else. It just comes through differently. And everybody gets different messages. And you may not get a strong message as another psychic, but you may be getting something differently that they're not going to pick up. Coming back to teaching, as a student of the martial arts, once you start to master something, it's your responsibility to teach it, to keep it going. Yes. And I think in this community, it's the same way. And you're going to have students that surpass you. And you know what? Be proud that you got to be part of their journey. Don't get upset because now, you know, the student is outperforming the master. Yeah. That's not really how it works, <laughs> you know, because then they can keep passing it down and they can... You start to create a little bit of lineage and that energy continues to flow throughout and it's it really is about energy and, and and flow and working together now there might be some people you resonate with there might be some you don't that's fine because everybody is on a different path a different group but it's because they need to reach different groups of people than you do yes that's all fine you said that so beautifully that i love that word uh, lineage i look back on the people that i've mentored who are now going on 
to have, you know, businesses of their own. And it does make me proud when I can see them blossom and grow and share their gifts with the world and with people who need it. When you talked about lineage, it brings to mind being a mentor, being a teacher, and combining that with the other thing that you said about attracting different groups. I tend to attract people who want to become teachers, who want to become facilitators and mentors to other people. So I think they call that the teacher of teachers or the mentor of mentors. And I tend to attract very highly gifted people, people who weren't even looking to go into this. And they end up after working with me going, hmm, maybe this is something I want to explore deeper. Maybe this is something I want to take to the next level. Not always. I I work with plenty of people who don't. But I've had other readers, there was this great hand analysis person, it's a little bit different than palmistry, who did a whole workup on me. She actually did a training in my center and she looked at me and she's like, you know that you're a teacher of teachers, right? And that, and and it it did resonate with me. And I'm like, yes, actually I do know because that's what's been happening. So I think your point about every practitioner, every psychic, having a different group to work with is really important. Look at who. So when you're sitting there trying to choose a practitioner for yourself, look at who their main clients are. Who is it that they're trying to work with? Do you fit into that energy? That doesn't mean don't take a chance on it because if you're drawn to that person, go with that because maybe you're fitting into that energy more than you even think. But I think going back to their socials, you can look at what they're posting, how they're posting it, and get a really good feeling of, is this person on my wavelength? Do we have similar points of view? Because if you go to somebody who's so drastically different, you may have that uncomfortable experience because it's just so different. It's not necessarily a bad thing if you're going for like a psychic fair or an intuition fair where you're just getting these small readings with different people, that's a great way to explore and to try different practitioners. But if you're committing to like an hour session, definitely do your research and trust your gut to see if you are the type of person that's going to gel with them. So JD, now that we've gone over what to look for, so the the pre-work in looking for a psychic, how to find someone that resonates with you, What are some red flags that people should look for sometimes during a reading or even after they've had a reading? What do you think that they should look out for that, you know, they may have had a really great reading, but then something kind of gets a little weird? That is a great question. I'm going to kind of combine the red flags with the ethics, because to me, when a reader's ethics are not clear and on the up and up, that's where the red flags happen. So I was talking earlier about the fear hook. When I am training other people to do readings, I tell them stay far away from the fear hook. I worked in an area where my center was, where we had some rather unethical practitioners. Doesn't mean they weren't good at what they did, but they used the fear hook. So people would come to me 
and tell me that they were cursed or they had a hex on them. And it's like, whoa, 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 where did you get that information? Now, there is such a thing as negative energy. But if somebody comes to me with that, I take care of it in that session, unless it is so big and so deep that we do need to book another session. But that other session should not be a special price where suddenly they're getting charged double, triple, quadruple what they were before. This is a big red flag and they're using the fear hook. So somebody uses the word hex, they use the word curse. That is a ginormous red flag. If they say, come back to me, I will do a special ceremony. My question is, why aren't they trying to address that in the session you have? Unless you booked like a 10 or 15 minute session, there's no reason not to address it right then and there. And it should be at the same price rate. Their time is their time. One of my favorite ones, and this person did not come back to me because they didn't like what I had to say. Basically, they were taken and I brought it up. So they were told by this person they had a curse and they were told to take an orange and wrap it in, I don't know if it was dollar bills or 20 bills and put it under their bed for a certain amount of time. And before she finished, I said, let me guess. You have to then bring that orange back to that practitioner and they'll take care of it for you. And she's like, well, yes. And I said, I hate to tell you, but A, that's something that you could probably do yourself. You could probably even use fake money like monopoly money as a symbolic money rather than real money. And I said, they're not going to burn that money. They're going to pocket that money and throw away the orange. And this person did not like that I said that, and I did not see them again because I think they really wanted to believe that that would work. Honestly, removing negative energy, not a curse, but negative energy, which is kind of what that falls under. Somebody sends you negative energy. You have power over your own energy to remove that and release it. And that comes to your own willingness to let go. And to take responsibility for your own energy. And a lot of people, they don't want to do that and they don't want to hear it because blaming it on a curse or blaming it on a hex is easier. It's like, oh, it's not my fault. It's not my energy. I don't, I don't have control over it. You have the ability to set up those boundaries. So when somebody says curse or hex, that is what I call disempowering. When somebody disempowers you, that's using fear to bring you back. And it's saying only I can take care of this for you. And it's taking the power out of your hands and your life and your control. And it's using that fear to bring you back in, which is the fear hook. That is one of the biggest red flags. Another red flag is, oh, you have an attachment. Now we've talked about attachments before. This should be addressed in the session, right then and there. They should not continue with the session until they address what the attachment is, because it's going to interfere with the information coming in. They shouldn't wait for another day. Again, unless it's like a quickie 10-minute session, then of course they don't really have time, but they should say, hey, do you want to take an extra 10 minutes, 15, 20 to release this? But it should be taken care of right in the moment, not for a thousand dollars later, or some people, I've heard these awful stories of over 10,000 to come and remove this 
and I'm putting in air quotes, you guys can't see negative energy. Negative energy is absolutely real, but you have more power over it than you think. And anybody who tells you that you don't or that only they can take care of it, mm -mm. that does not fly with me. That's huge red flag. Again, the other red flags I feel like we've already addressed, if they are jealous of other readers that you've gone to, if they immediately start bad-mouthing other practitioners, that's a little bit of a red flag because it means that there's jealousy. A reader who's jealous can't give you an unbiased reading because they're, they're no longer reading through spirit. They're reading or reading your energy. They're reading through their own ego and biases. How about you? What red flags do you have when you've gone to somebody? I think another red flag to consider in the age of the internet is that no reputable psychic will reach out to you for a reading. Oh, I actually got one over on Twitter and I knew it was a fake account. Folks, there are fake accounts out there. Please, if you're following a psychic. <gasps> yes, if you're following a psychic and you get a message from them and the username is different, it's probably fake. So, <laughs> so I actually got one and I knew it was fake, but I wanted to see where it was going. And they always start with, I saw your profile and I was very attracted to it. I was attracted to your energy and I have a message for you. And I was like, yes. okay, what's the message? And this person went on to say that there was a curse on my father's side and they had to get rid of it. And I was like, no, thank you. So they use the, the enticement to bring you in. I have a message for you. And you say, ooh, what is it? And then they say, there's something only I can take care of. And they use the fear hook. So they entice you in and then try to hook you. Yep. Again, if you want a reading with a psychic that you know online, go directly to their profile, go directly to their page. They're not going to come find you. No one's attracted to your picture. As adorable as you might look online, no psychic is going to Look at your picture and say, you know, I'm going to do a reading for this person. They really speak to me through that image of them hanging out at a bar or something. I, I don't know. No reputable psychic will reach out to you for a reading. So that's another, that's an internet red flag for everybody out there. That is a great red flag. And actually, when you were talking about fake accounts, about two years ago, my Instagram was hacked. I still get emails from that particular profile asking for a woman named Elizabeth Sauer. If you see that name, that that's not me. Mm -mm. And in fact, I went to the, the, and she never posted another picture. She's on there and she's getting all sorts of like, you know, deals and promotions she'll never actually get. But she went so far as to change my email. So I wasn't able to, to even complain about it to Instagram. Instagram did nothing. So in fact, there was another faked or duplicated account from a rather famous medium. And we notified them, sent them, hey, you might want to check this profile out. It, they're, they're using your name. And they were good. Like they use the exact name. And I don't know how Instagram allowed that to happen. But it was very clearly a fake account because of how few followers they had and how many more people this account was following than were following them. So that's a, that's a little clue that when the profile picture doesn't match or if they reach out and, and that in any, whether it's online or in person, 
you are so right that a reputable practitioner will not contact you first. If you're in the grocery store, they're like, can I just give you a message? Just no, that is, that is psychic. That is what I call a psychic attack. They're using their gifts on somebody who has not given their permission. And, and that's unethical. That brings us to that word ethics. It is unethical for somebody to read you without your permission. I think we're at a good point now, too, where we can talk about you found a good psychic, you're in a reading. And I think that for those of us who have gone to readings a few times, we know how to go in, what to listen for. But for those of us who are just starting to find a psychic reader, I know some people go into their sessions, you know, closed up. They don't want them, you know, they think that they're, the psychic is smarter than them. And if they can't tell them what they want to hear, then they're bad. Or there's some that go in and believe everything they hear. So I think that being an open-minded skeptic when you go to a reader and listening to your, your gut feelings, question the reality of what you're getting. If something doesn't resonate, don't agree with it. Tell them that that doesn't quite resonate. But if it does resonate, use some discernment in a reading to know what's meant for you. Sometimes it might be you might get a message meant for somebody else. You don't want to try to make the puzzle pieces fit, but you also don't want to completely, you know, it's very weird for someone to, I think it's weird, to go find a psychic and then be completely shut down. It's like, I don't know what you're looking for at that point. But JD, how do you recommend someone go into a reading? What kind of energy should they bring to the psychic in order to get a reading that will resonate and be fairly accurate? I think you already addressed a lot of that, which is go in open. Don't go in trying to test the psychic because that will shut down the energy. Even if they don't know that you're testing them. I've had people come into galleries and it ruins the gallery for everybody else because they are shut down and they're just trying to prove a point. And I actually had this happen recently with somebody who's had me for years. They've worked with me for years. We haven't worked in a while together. They came into gallery and they were trying to test me. And it's like, you've already worked with me. You already know my abilities. Why are you trying to put up that block? The skepticism is perfectly fine. But if you go in with, I'm going to see how good this person is, you're probably not ready for a reading. Like if you go in with, oh, I can't wait to see what they're going to tell me or like be excited excitement. Like I think excitement is a, is a good word because excitement is positive. It's open, but the not agreeing with everything is important too, because no psychic is a hundred percent correct. So if you're going in, yes, yes. Oh, this resonates. I can tell when it's not resonating if I'm in person. Now, a lot of the readings I do now are online. And so I don't see them, but when they're shaking their head, no, but they're saying yes, there's a discord there. And it's okay to tell somebody that, you know, this doesn't make sense for my love life because they might think that they're reading about your love life, but they're actually getting information about your career. Those two energies are very, very similar. So it's possible that they're getting correct information, but just for a different part of your life. And it's okay to say that. Or if they pull up a card 
cards can usually mean, or symbols can usually mean two or three things. It's like a coin. So at that point, the person you're working with, the reader has a choice. They can go to one side of the coin or they can go to the other side of the coin. And sometimes they just go the wrong side of the coin. It's happened to me, happens to the best of us. And at that point, it's your responsibility to be like, you know, this bit of information is correct, but I feel like it's in the other direction. Yes. And it's like, oh, and that can totally change the quality of the information you're getting for the rest of the race. Like suddenly it'll start flowing again. I think for listeners who are looking for a psychic, just a little bit of insight into what's happening on our end, I might get an image in my head of somebody's grandfather pointing at a bowling ball in an antique store. I need to figure out what that means. Did did the grandfather like to bowl? Did he own an antique shop? Did he own a bowling alley? It's an interpretation of what we're getting. So the more that you can give us feedback without specifics, we can delve a little bit further because I might be missing the name that he's pointing to on the bowling ball. I might be missing something if he's pointing behind it. So I kind of have to rummage through, you know, the the image that I'm getting. And so, like I said, the more that you can provide in regards to information, but again, not specifics, that will help us to kind of paw through what we're getting and interpret it a little bit more accurately for you. You know, this brings up, I apologize listeners if I've mentioned this story before, but one of my favorite moments of this exact situation It was in an open gallery. This was in the very beginning when I just started this. And I saw very clearly an image of Oscar the Grouch. Now, I didn't say Oscar the Grouch. I was like, maybe this person, because we were talking about somebody's grandchild. I said, maybe this person is going into environmental sciences because that's (laughs) where my mind went. I'm like, what does Oscar the Grouch mean? I don't know what that means. I have zero reference other than Sesame Street, but we were talking about a full-grown adult child here, like an adult grandchild. And so like my mind is really trying to wrap around this weird symbol and they weren't understanding. They're like, no, no. And I'm like, okay, let me just tell you what I got and maybe it'll make sense to you. I said, you know, I'm seeing Oscar the Grouch. And they smiled and they said, oh, they played Oscar the Grouch in a play. (laughs) Everybody was really quiet. I'm like, oh, well, that was much simpler than my brain made it. And that's where the human, our human brain sometimes overrides the intuition we're getting because, you know, who's going to think Oscar the Grouch is a legit symbol that Oh, I've never heard of anybody being Oscar the Grouch in a play. Who knew? Didn't know that was a thing. So sometimes we overcomplicate the symbol we're getting. We're trying to figure out the backstory here when really we just needed to just say it, just say it. So if you, if you are a, a practitioner out there, a reader, sometimes simple is better. Sometimes it is better to just give the symbol you're getting instead of trying to interpret it. Because most of the time, the person's going to go, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and that's happened so many times over the years. But that's the one that really sticks out as like the big lesson learning time for me. So, yeah, Uh, psychics are there. We're not 100 percent 
And I think I've said this, any reader who tells you, which is also a red flag, any reader who tells you I'm a hundred percent accurate, that's a red flag to me. They're lying. And we talked about this in the last one, but in case you didn't catch it, a good quality reader should hover around 75% accuracy. A great one will hover between 85 and 90, and the rare ones will be around 95. 100% is rare. In 20, in almost 20 years of doing this, I've had maybe three readings that I could point to where it was like 100%, nothing I said was off. Most of the time I'm between 85 and 90. And on a bad day, I'm like 60 to 70. But that is when, and here's where the ethics come in, I will offer to reschedule or I'll offer to do something different with them. And I'll extend the time with them. I don't charge them if we're not connecting in that way. And we'll just redo the session at a later date. And that's where the ethics come in again. That if somebody is not having an incredible experience with me or a wonderful experience with me, I want to make that right between us. Now, do you find that that happens when you have a client come in who refuses to validate information that you present and they just, no, that doesn't resonate. No, that doesn't resonate. No, that doesn't resonate. Have you just said, okay, session done? Or do you keep moving? For those listeners out there who are just starting to explore their gifts, how do they deal with someone who, you know, a friend who might ask for a reading and you're delivering things that you're feeling are fairly accurate, but they are absolutely insistent that they are not going to validate what you're saying? How do our listeners, like I said, who are exploring their gifts kind of start to learn how to work with that kind of energy? So in the past, when I was my younger self, I would have tried to work it out in the session. I would have spent an extra 30 minutes trying to just get more out of it. Now, as I'm older, a little bit wiser, I cut off the energy. I'm like, I don't think I'm the right one for you. And when they start backtracking, oh, no, 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 no. That's when you know that you were actually giving information. They just didn't want to validate it. Like you were giving quality information. When you try to end the session, but they want to continue, that's a really good sign. But to me, it's also that's somebody who's playing with my gift, my time, and my energy. And I'm at the point where I value that now. In the beginning, when I didn't realize like how gifted I was and I was insecure, I would want to give more or to compensate. And now I don't do that. If somebody is not having a good experience, we cut the energy you know, I might try something else, but if that something else does not work and they're still blocking it, no, I cut the energy and I say, I'm sorry that this is not working, that you and I are not having that connection. And I may offer, if you want to try this another time, we can do this another time when the connection is a little bit stronger for both of us. Or I may have to say, and I, I don't say this often because they're usually not ready to hear it. This is the information I'm getting coming in very clear. You may want to write this down, take note of it, and we'll end this session for today. Sometimes you do have to let them know like, nope, this is the information. This is what I'm getting. And maybe it doesn't make sense to you right now. And that's okay. Write it down, take note of it. 
Because as I said, I think a few episodes back, I've had people come back to me six months later. One person, it was almost six years later that they came through with all sorts of validation that at the time it wasn't making sense for them. And sometimes if somebody is coming to you with a lot of trauma, with a lot of anger, depression, sadness, upheaval in their life, sometimes they're not ready to hear information that will help them move through that or help them to heal from that because it's just too much. And that's not on you and it's not on them. That is situational. But then there is a moment at which you have to say, I may just not be the right person for them and get your ego out of the way as a reader, get your ego out and be like, I'm just not the right one for you. We covered both sides of the reader's table today. So for anyone, readers, future readers, uh, anyone looking for a psychic, so now you know kind of what happens in the reading room on both sides. So I hope that we provided everyone with some great information today in regards to choosing a psychic or even starting your own psychic journey. Just know that we are both available to connect to, especially if you are beginning this journey as a, as a reader or as an intuitive, that we are both available to connect with, to mentor. And, you know, we would like to create that community. So do join us on our Facebook page and group and our socials. It's Visit with Spirit on almost every social you can find. We're on Instagram. You can connect with us there. We are on Twitter. We are very active on both. We have a Facebook group that we would love to see you in. And we also have a Facebook page. And we would love this community of people who are seeking to grow their own abilities, but also people who want to explore what they've already gone through, whether it is hauntings or any other paranormal experiences. So do reach out and connect with us. And if any of you want to learn more about us individually, or if you want to contact us both, check out visitwithspirit.com where you can get biography, learn a little bit more about us. And again, like I said, you can reach out to either one of us, both of us from there. So definitely check out our website as well. And until next time, souls and spirits, may love and light surround you and your loved ones. Thank you for joining us today for our Visit with Spirit. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you have any questions or comments, or would like to be a guest on our show, email us at visitwithspirit at gmail.com or find us on social media. Until next time, may love and light surround you, and come back again to Visit with Spirit.